Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Sons of Sequoia podcast, broadcasting live from Wheat Ridge, Colorado, the home of the champions. And today is a very special episode of the podcast because we have a very special guest, tech entrepreneur, consultant, and director and producer of Cryptopia, Bitcoin, blockchains, and the future of the internet, Mr. Torsten Hoffman. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us. Um, and I'm looking at my um, little uh, documentary and looking forward to this conversation. Fantastic. Yeah, very nice to meet you, uh, uh, Thorsten. And uh, today we just want to talk about your movie, of course. Uh, and uh, David and I watched it, I think, twice and we kept stopping it. And <laughs> it was so much in that movie that uh, we, uh, we really loved it. We really loved it. It was a great movie. Uh, but also we'd want to talk to you about uh, your opinion on crypto, uh, uh, cryptocurrency as well and the impact that's going to have. Uh, and then finally, uh, we want to uh, ask your advice on making movies, uh, because that movie was very well done, very well done. And the research and the production and the marketing. And we'd just like to ask about uh, uh, making a movie. Right, David? Yes, definitely. So, so my first question for you is, this isn't your first movie about the crypto space. In 2015, you released Bitcoin, The End of Money as We Know It. And five years later, in 2020, Cryptopia was released. Uh, what would you say are the most unexpected changes in the five years between the release of your two movies? Yeah. And actually, my, my first film, um, so Bitcoin, The End of Money, as we know it, um, we started producing it in January 2014. Um, and um, so, yeah, it's been, it's been a long time. And, you know, the, the, the short of it is, you know, between the first and the second movie, the price of Bitcoin has increased maybe 200 times. The industry has grown 100 times. So there's a lot of more um, uh, actually projects going on. Ob obviously, in the beginning, there was only Bitcoin. Now there's thousands of cryptocurrencies. Um, but I would also say, even though we've seen a lot of scams and a lot of like bad actors, surely, and, and you know, the media coverage, we also see a lot more professionalization right we have big big banks wall street and, and so forth kind of moving into um uh, this uh, crazy uh, new technology and that was one thing that struck me because uh, some of the clips in cryptopia that were incorporated uh, some of the clips from bitcoin the end of money as we know it that were incorporated into cryptopia um were the few people that were sort of naysayers now do you did you see fewer naysayers because of the rapid growth of cryptocurrency, fewer people discounting it as a concept altogether when you sat down for interviews five years later. Yeah, look, this is tricky. Even even uh, for the first film, it was actually quite hard to find critics. There's a lot of critics like on the internet or or like um, when you when you watch a little a news clip. But uh, someone to sit down for an hour um, uh, to find a, a critic intelligently um, taking down you know the concept and, and the ideas behind Bitcoin is tough because I mean what what you find in this industry and maybe you, you found this with myself as well, um, the more people um, engage, the more people research, the, the deeper people are in the rabbit hole, the more convinced they are that there's something, right? I, I might not make everyone a, a true believer. I might not make everyone an investor in, in all these different coins, no. But, but there is something fundamentally interesting in this uh, um, uh, technology, and that's why it's hard to find um, critics, actually. And so if you were to make a movie in 2025, uh, so we've seen, you know, Bitcoin sort of then the establishment of Ethereum and smart contracts and tokenization. And we've seen things take off and uh, and it's much different. The landscape is much different now. But what would you imagine the landscape will look like five years from now? 
Yeah, I think uh, in five years' time, Bitcoin will not be an exciting story to tell anymore because it will become so mainstream and, and, and so, so much bigger. So um, I think the, the interesting things that are happening right now is something that you might find very interesting. This is the um, uh, whole creator economy um, uh, that's, that's emerging. So it's, it's basically, you know, podcasters like yourselves, filmmakers like myself, authors, bloggers, um, Substack, newsletter writers. And, and we, we have now all these tools that are coming together. Um, some say, you know, um, it's, it's Web 3.0. Some say it's blockchain enabled. Some say uh, you know you can earn money uh, earning some digital token somewhere. But it's all slowly coming together, which kind of is an is an interesting, nice trend where um, I think we take power away from these large institutions, whether they're governments or big corporations, and we, we, we find ourselves more empowered by these tools, and we can make a living, right? Um, creating art, creating content. And to speaking of Bitcoin, the end of money as we know it, I think it's a good opportunity to just squeeze in some current events with the government of El Salvador listing Bitcoin as legal tender. Now, they're the first. Do you think they'll be the last? And do you see a future in which central banks have less control over the entire money supply and where it's more dominated by a rules-based blockchain type system? Yeah, super fascinating what's been um, hap happening in the last couple of weeks. Um, so I'll be honest, like in 2014, 15, people were telling me, oh, Bitcoin will take over the US dollar, right? And that clearly hasn't happened. I mean, let's, let's be honest, right? Let's also be critical. Um, I, I would have thought, though, that um, in, in the next five years after that, so up until now or the next couple of years, that we would see some federal reserves of some central banks basically adding Bitcoin to their balance sheet. So as, as sort of like a reserve currency, you know, like, like, I don't know, the central bank of a small country would hold dollars and yuan and euros. And I, I would have thought that maybe some of them add cryptocurrencies like, like Bitcoin, most likely, to their balance sheet. That hasn't happened. What uh, was kind of shocking to, to everyone is that actually... Uh, a country has decided to put Bitcoin as a legal tender, so as, a, as an official currency, which is surprising. I don't know where this is going to take us. Um, I don't think the big, powerful governments will 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 give away their power, you know, to to have uh, a national currency. So I'm I'm not sure that there might be other countries, but I don't see this becoming a mainstream trend. No, I don't think so. That's fascinating because in the film. You were talking about the Petro and Venezuelan miners being cracked down upon, and you sort of juxtaposed it with a clip of a U.S. lawmaker uh, saying we need to crack down on this. So, And the experts are saying the more corrupt a country is, the more it wants to have its uh, control of its own destiny in terms of you know issuing debt and sort yeah. of creating currency. However, that's... Perhaps it's just the lever of power that being able to, you know, use a Federal Reserve to expand or contract the money supply to control interest rates in America. It doesn't matter. Or, you know, the European Central Bank. Uh, so my question is, if cryptocurrency becomes, you know, a viable solution, is there a world beyond Federal Reserve Bank or the European Central Bank? Could you see that in the distant future? Yeah, um... I'm not really sure whether this is the right question. And, and I've, I've asked the same question, so I'm not criticizing it, you, mm -hmm. you know, um, asking it. But it's, it's sort of like saying, oh, will the Internet replace newspapers or will the Internet replace the television? You, you know, and it, like the Internet was something new, right? And Internet money is also something new. I think it's on top of additionally to the, the, the monies that, that we use, and especially like um, I'm German originally. I made the film uh, in Australia. I have an Australian company. Uh, I am now in, in the UK. You guys are 
the US, all these countries have pretty stable, pretty good mon monetary systems, right, financial system. So maybe we don't actually um, feel the need. But if you're talking to someone in Venezuela or maybe in El Salvador, um, they have much more, um, you know, different different opinions about the stability of the currency, the trust in the, the central bankers. Argentina is a famous example as well. So. Um, Look, I, I don't know. For for certain, um, cryptocurrencies won't go away. For certain, um, governments will try to co-opt this technology. Right? They will create their own blockchain-based dollar, blockchain-based this. Um, but I think ultimately, it, it's all going to lead to um, Bitcoin becoming more and more um, embedded into financial services, into everyday uh, everyday lives. Not necessarily to buy a coffee, but maybe you know to save some money and, and put it into Bitcoin rather than just in, in US dollar, where you don't generate any income. Right? No no interest rate for the dollar at the moment. So moving on to Web 3.0, did you want to ask some questions about uh, supply chain issues? And Yeah, uh, supply chain was briefly mentioned, uh, but uh, shifting from government and currency to actually industry, especially supply chains, international global supply chains, uh, the, the, I know IBM and you talked about Hyperledger, uh, that it's, it, it, they did adopt it and they are promoting it. Um, but a lot of the capabilities is just a glorified database. And so how is the difference? Uh, is it marketing? Is it branding? Or do they see something down the line uh, of something that's going to be valuable? Uh, because that's why they would invest in it. Uh, you know, how's the value added and the value proposition of a blockchain for a supply chain interaction and transaction in an ERP system? Other than just uh, just a database or a sophisticated database. Yeah, I mean, this is um, a topic for a whole different uh, documentary. It's, it's a huge complex <laughs> Absolutely. Um, um, topic. But um, I mean, I really like David, our our critic in the film, and he basically said, "Look, a lot of these projects are just kind of marketing spin, right? So the the CTO uh, wants to get a million dollar budget, and they they have to call it blockchain so they get the approval for 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 this this thing." Um, and a lot of these databases are yeah, just databases. They're still controlled by a company. So why do you need a blockchain? I think that's, that's a valid um, criticism. Um, but you know there might be cases where um, certain suppliers or certain um, uh, members of this, this uh, of an industry don't trust themselves uh, or trust each other. Sorry. Um, and and so a, a blockchain type system uh, with decentralized nodes might make sense. And um, I also like. If I imagine I'm, I'm Nestle or some of these global uh, Procter & Gamble, like these global companies that have, um, I don't know, 100 currencies to deal with, right? And, and all these, these cash flows and taxes and accounting system, all these, it must be, you know, you, you need hundreds or thousands of accountants doing that. And maybe using like a centralized um, own blockchain system where they have like an internal currency makes it much more efficient. So there might be legitimate use cases um, uh, on all ends. And, and that's why, um, even though I'm a big Bitcoin believer, I don't fully agree with the, the Bitcoin maximalist who, who, who only say, oh, Bitcoin is the only thing that matters. Everything else is a scam. Because clearly, you know, that might be a use case for, for some corporation. And as you go upstream to suppliers and downstream to different markets, uh, ability to stabilize transactions, uh, that could be a value-added uh, value-added uh, proposition. On the other hand, it has to grow enough to be adopted uh, for across, not, not even within a supply chain, but across supply chains. Because we, uh, here in Colorado, at the University of Colorado, we have a commodity center. Uh, and the commodity center and the supply chain of commodities is really concerned about how do you coordinate uh, and also st stabilize 
the resilience of the different supply chains. And do you think blockchain could have a role in that stability, especially this last this last 15 months with uh, with the pandemic and blockchains being commodity supply chains being disrupted? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit above my pay grade. You might know uh, more technically than, than I do here. Um, but but I mean, just two or three bullet points on this. So, so I, I'm not sure about the stability, but I mean, what a blockchain can really enable is like you can prove where something has been uh, you know, shipped or, or packaged or something, right? So you can prove of authenticity of a product or of a, of a device. So um, one of my friends, he did he did a um, e-learning course, you know, blockchain course, and on LinkedIn, on his profile, you can actually check. This is my certificate. You can check, and then it pops up. Okay, this mm. blockchain has certified that I really did this, right? So things like that. Is it really an organic avocado or not? Um, I think that that is certainly a, a, a good point. But maybe um, you know the downside of this whole um, system might be stability in the currency, right? So so are we? Um, uh, creating problems using all these cryptocurrencies for commerce if it drops 20% on day on one day and, and increases 10% on the next day, right? So, so I think that there's, there's pros and cons um, um, with, with everything, obviously. Well, I thought, I thought it was intriguing. You mentioned this is a subject for a whole different uh, documentary. <laughs> and Dave and I were talking about uh, documentaries and uh, uh, your, I, would, I don't know if you recall your crypto, I it was a documentary. Uh, and I don't know why you could take that that uh, Cryptopia film, David. We, David and I were talking about this, and uh, Netflix should probably fund you to have a whole series of documentaries, like a ten episode docu series, because the uh, the concept of Bitcoin and explaining it to people, and the concept of altcoins and cryptocurrencies and smart contracts and tokenization, and then where that goes in terms of application based, and of course in the movie. Um, you teased out a lot of stories with human drama, whether that was, you know, Roger Fair versus Samson Mao and the great Bitcoin schism or uh, Wenches. He was one of my favorite interviews that you did. Uh, was he Argentinian? Correct. And yes, and he'd lost everything. And so, you know, I thought it was interesting. You spent the first part of the movie talking about how you can bank the unbanked. And then one of the first things that gets invented is basically a giant vault, like a giant bank, uh, to bank something that banks the unbanked. Um, <laughs> but there was a moment of levity that I do need to ask about from the movie where you said there's these colorful characters and they don't agree on anything, but they all agree on one thing. And that's that this guy, Craig Wright, is a fraud. And it was kind of... You didn't you didn't make any judgments or aspersions, but you had, you know, your experts. They all sort of said, yeah, I'm not sure that this guy is Satoshi Nakamoto. He doesn't seem. And then you go and you visited him and you gave him a fair shake and sort of allowed him to. And you pushed back on some of his things. But I have a question. You played chess in one of the establishing shots with Craig Wright. Did you beat Craig Wright at chess? Well, it wasn't a full game. It was like just uh, three or four moves. And uh -huh. we had uh, two camera teams uh, surrounding us. So I think uh, that, that was, um, yeah, it wasn't a real, real um, okay. match. Um, but it, actually, it was, it was it movie was, magic? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, this is actually a very good, because you, you, you um, alluded to uh, maybe asking me about uh, documentary filmmaking, right? Yes. And, and this, this whole sequence is actually um, a, a good, I don't know, case study or good, uh, uh, good, good learning. Because, I mean, I've been criticized a lot for adding him to the film um, by both sides. 
Um, but I also got a lot of praise from both sides. So, so the the um, Craig haters and the uh, Craig uh, lo, no, fan, fanboys mm -hmm. for how I kind of handled it or how I let him um, have his word, but also kind of show his the ridiculousness of, of, of some of his claims, right? Mm -hmm. And look, it's not my the documentary makers. It's not my job to say he is this or that. I mean, I'm telling an entertaining story, hopefully, right? And um, Getting the balance right is is tricky, and there's no right or wrong answer. Um, and actually, in the TV version, so so what you've seen is that the version on Amazon Prime, and I have it on my website. It's a feature length, right? But for the television version, you always have to dumb it down, make it shorter, make it a little bit easy to to to, to digest. Maybe also um, less info dense, um, obviously. And that whole Craig Wright chapter does not fit into into that. So for mm -hmm. my TV sales agent and the big TV channels also, let, let's take that one out and keep keep it kind of more. Focused. Well, I think to me uh, that lends legitimacy to you as a document maker, as a producer and a director. And I think the people that watch that long term, well, that'll that that'll serve you well, because you show both sides. And I think uh, it's not a show; it's a documentary, and a documentary should show both sides. It's it's probably what journalism should be, <laughs> showing both yeah. sides. So I thought and, and I thought you that we could you did you did it well. Well, th thanks for that. And, and you know, America is su such a split society at the, at the moment, right? Everything has like a point of view or like a like a evangelical like um, fervor to it, right? Whether you have to eat meat or have to be vegan or have to vote left or right, it's like it's it's a lot of content is like that, right? We, we faced it. So I think there is a space for for maybe showing both sides, including like the Bitcoin civil war, right? There's there's two sides. They both had good and bad arguments, and and the market ultimately decides. So I think it's it's not a problem as a documentary maker to, to, to show these figures behind it, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I'm hoping those, those are the kind of documentaries showing both sides that will last. Uh, because over time, uh, if you label someone, those labels change. And when you show both sides, that's going to be uh, uh, durable. So well done. Yeah. Also, one thing that was fascinating was, you know, you did have a scene where you had six clips up on the stage that you'd pulled from the mainstream media, and I believe it was uh, two entrepreneurs, a libertarian congressperson, two economists, and then you know the most famous value investor of all time, Warren Buffett. So it was Joseph Stiglitz. I'm trying to remember Warren Buffett, another economist who I don't quite remember. Rubini, I think. It was okay, yes, Rubini, and then it was Ron Paul, Richard Branson, and Peter Thiel. <laughs> and so I was telling. Uh, Michael, because he didn't know who Peter Thiel was, you know, he was part of the PayPal mafia. So I think you'd be hard pressed to find someone who made his fortune facilitating payments on the internet, talking bad about a new way to facilitate payments on the internet. That was sort of <laughs> the way that he made billions of dollars, because um, people think of him as, you know, a right wing guy. But did you find it fascinating? I mean, part of that you teased that out and you said part of the reason that they'll talk about Bitcoin is just because it's a controversial topic and it's just to sort of outrage people. But did you find it fascinating in those six clips? Was it deliberate to show entrepreneurs and libertarians may come down on the side of this is growing and it's going to be a thing and traditional economists and value investors will come down on the opposite side? Were you trying to sort of make that point? 
Uh, yeah, a, a little bit. I mean, I, I could have made it stronger where, where you say, okay, the people under 30, you know, love Bitcoin and people <laughs> over 60 hate it or something. But, um, <laughs> I mean, um, um, I, what I find interesting, so the Peter Thiel uh, comment is so interesting. I'm, I'm glad you picked it up, which actually leads us directly to Elon Musk as well, right? So Elon mm -hmm. Musk was like, um, everybody in Bitcoin loved him because he said, you know, Tesla will accept that. Then two weeks later, he changed his mind <laughs> and, and like he was the most hated person. But I think what people uh, uh, forget, he was part of that, you know, founding, uh, he was part of the, the PayPal mafia, he knows more about money than most of the people uh, around. So um, never underestimate him. Although I, I must say his um, his funny tweets about Dogecoin, which is like this this meme stock of, mm -hmm. of cryptocurrency, is kind of dangerous because I mean that is really a, a currency that that shouldn't have value um, other than the, the the brand power behind it for, for many reasons. But that's let's let's not get into the details. Yes. <laughs> is that what you would call a, a shit coin? Or I, I, yeah, I think I think that's that's probably, but it is popular. I mean, everybody loves fun, right? So mm -hmm. in a way, th there's value in that. That's <laughs> it's fascinating because I think it has a market cap of a billion dollars at least, right? I don't know. I don't really follow the market caps of every individual. Okay. Yeah, much much higher. And, and the scary bit is, right, um, it is an abandoned project, which, you know, there's no de development behind it for, I don't know, many, many years. Um, and the other thing is it's not limited. The whole purpose of why, you know, why we would maybe investigate Bitcoin and, and these cryptocurrencies and asset classes, they're highly scarce and they have a reducing supply curve, right? And Dogecoin is the exact opposite. It was created as a joke. Uh, and now it's, I don't know, $40 billion thing. And I, I think people might lose a lot of money. Uh, but look, I'm, I'm not an investment advisor. I'm just, yes. um, uh, you know, raising a flag here. <laughs> well, one thing that uh, I know David has, has always said is that where you stand is where you, depends on where you sit. And I think that that clip was a very good illustration of that. And again, that was kudos to a to a, a documentary to show both sides. Uh, but I'm sure those were two sides. And so uh, you have to be careful that you create a bifurcation. Uh, there's going to be a whole spectrum of sides. And I think as you move forward, uh, you know, David mentioned in, in 2025, as you move forward, there may be more sides uh, that will come onto the scene uh, that, that are going to be just as important. So do you feel there's going to be uh, the next wave? Not not wave. I don't say wave because again, that's just creating a third a third uh, uh, view. Uh, do you think things are going to start creating a spectrum and not just labels in yeah. the future as far as cryptocurrency, blockchain, internet, Web 3.0? Uh, if you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um I, I don't even know how to answer that, but maybe maybe in terms of Web3, what, what, what might happen in the next five or 10 or 15 years is that um, the, so in, in the last 20 years, the internet as the decentralized, you know, global internet, uh, you know, freedom of, how, how do we call it, global village and all that, that was the original idea, right? And in the last 20 years, that has all been centralized by, you know, Google and Facebook and, you know, like five companies control of the internet. And I think what we're seeing now with Web3 and blockchain technology and, and things like that, that, that we will be able to maybe form our own communities, maybe form new cities, even like proper cities or start new countries or start new uh, communities that have their own currency, which is you know, tradition is something that only states and, and governments could do. And now anybody can create a, their own government, right? And uh, sorry, currency. Um, and I think um, we, we might see uh, more and more communities and tribes um, um, forming. And hopefully the big uh, um, giants, internet giants will have less power over us. 
Well, before we leave, we wanted to ask about making the film and a filmmaker. And uh, what advice do you have uh, to people who are producers and making film? Uh, what challenges did you have? And moving forward, what do you see the, the advantages and opportunities? Yeah, um, if, if people follow me a little bit on, on LinkedIn or, or Twitter, um, um, they will uh, find you know, some articles that I share, or sometimes I write, write something. So there's, there's a lot of um, development going on behind the scenes about you know, what, what tools we have available to create content and finance um, films and things like that. So a um, couple, couple thoughts here. So my, my first advice would be just to concentrate on a project that you're really passionate about, because chances are you're going to spend two years of your time. You'll never get compensated. You know, your, your time is not part of the budget. <laughs> um, and, and, and chances are 98% of films never make any money on uh, not even close to their production budget back. Uh, back. So, so you better make sure you're, you're passionate about something. Um, but then on the, uh, the other side, um, the thing is you, you don't have to start with a multi-million dollar production budget. You can start with your phone on, on TikTok and create content, right? So I think that the answer is probably somewhere, find a nice niche, find a nice audience, something you're passionate about and just start slow without you know too much time or money investment. And, and that's probably the best way to do it. That's great. And I have, I have one final question. So I watched, I sort of took a look at who you were interviewing and you had, I would say, I sort of break it down into three labels. You had the technical people with the technical expertise that are sort of pushing the technology forward. These are people like uh, Charlie Lee and Vitalik Buterin. Um, and I think that you did a nice sort of juxtaposition interviewing Robert Kahn and saying this guy invented TCP IP and, you know, smart contracts are being able to store code on a blockchain is, is that revolutionary. You know, it's sort of or um, I forget the, the man who developed ERC-20, but you interviewed him as well. Um, and then I see people that sort of take a practical use towards it, whether it's, uh, I believe it was Dr. Green from the Power Ledger. Um, so that is explaining a business that can run on the blockchain that has a very practical usage. And then the third class of people I saw were more evangelists, yeah. uh, people that sort of speak in these broad terms, everything will be different, you know, the world is going to change. So there's people who are pushing the technology forward, people who are using the technology practically, and then people who are speaking in these flowery terms about the future. Now, who do you think is most important for the development and adoption <laughs> of cryptocurrencies and blockchains going forward? Wow, you, you guys, I mean, I'm doing this a lot, but you guys are really well prepared and wow, your questions, <laughs> congrats. Um, uh, you, you know, um, you are actually quoting um, someone that I interviewed and I don't think we actually have the quote in the film and, and you kind of summarize the whole thing. So he, he says, and he's not in the film, I think, um, in order to, for technology to, to um, uh, you know, flourish and, and go from zero to hero, you need the hackers, the hipsters, and the hustlers. And these are exactly the, the, the people making it, then the crazies, the first early adopters, and then the evangelists, right? And, and I think, yeah, you need all three. And um, one of the interviews that I really like is, yeah, um, Dr. Gemma Green, she, she builds a very, um, uh, yeah, um, inspiring, uh, you know, uh, climate change type of um, uh, business around uh, this technology. That's inspiring. And then I went to one of my professors in, in Oxford um, during the film, and he kind of also talks about how innovation um, gets adopted and how long it takes. And, you know, he, he makes a few um, um, uh, examples about the, the, the cars, how, how um, they, um, you know, changed the world ultimately. But in the beginning, it looked like a joke, right? Mm -hmm. 
So, uh, yeah. Um, so where do you feel like you fit on that spectrum? Because you're sort of giving people accurate information about Bitcoin. You're not really evangelizing it. You're sort of taking a very measured approach and sort of incorporating critics' viewpoints. And that's one thing that I loved about this movie was if you go down the rabbit hole, you'll get a lot of self-interested misinformation. Uh, and if you look at the media, like you said, a lot of it is just meant to touch on a hot button issue to get clicks. But you actually took a measured approach, and there's very few comprehensive examples like Cryptopia out there. Yeah, uh, uh, thank, thank you. Um, sorry, the question was um, whether I think... I, I, there wasn't really a question. Yeah, I, was just, no, <laughs> I was just trying no, to give no, you a compliment. <laughs> no, thank, thank you for that. Yeah, I mean, we're trying hard. I mean, look, I, I wrote this script, um, you know, for one and a half years, and it, it, things kept changing so fast. And, and now, uh, rewatching some of the scenes, I'm like, actually, I, I think I nailed this one. And some of it, of course, gets outdated the next day. But, but, but I think one, one challenge for content creators is to not try to follow the news, but really find the fundamental you know, big conflicts, big questions, big technology uh, breakthroughs, and not the details, um, mm. or like the price movements. I mean, yeah, you could spend your whole life watching the price of Bitcoin, but how, how uh, you know, much, much good do you do uh, doing that? Mm -hmm. Like the famous quote from John Pierpont Morgan. Do you remember? Uh, he was asked what was going to happen in the stock market. And he said, with certainty, it's going to fluctuate. That was his answer. <laughs> Yep, um, and, and uh, that's actually one of my favorite answers about, oh, why did Bitcoin, um, uh, you know, increase in price? Or why did it decrease in price today? And the answer is always, there's mo slightly more buyers than sellers, or there's slightly more <laughs> sellers than buyers. I mean, it's, it's really as simple as that. And, and, and the, what really matters is the five-year or 10-year uh, vision, right? And I think it's a reasonable bet. And I am kind of enthusiastic about the, uh, the, 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 the prospect of Bitcoin, and I'm into it. Um, and I think it's it's a reasonable bet to make to to say okay maybe Ethereum Bitcoin will will really change the world and um, I you know put in some little money I mean I'm obviously um, a filmmaker not a big time investor but I think it's reasonable to do so, do so make that bet. Well, my last question is, uh, what are you working on next? Yeah, look. Um, so there's one NFT project bubbling in the background, uh, but I'm not quite sure whether I have um, the yeah the right stories and the right people in place. I mean that would be an obvious one because NFT. So for people who don't know, is this non-fungible token? So that, that's tokenizing um, you know songs or films or artwork, um, which is an interesting example of what we talked about. Um, and in a, in a way, it would be logical, right? The first one was about Bitcoin, the next one was about blockchain, and the next one is now about the creator economy, which is something I'm excited about. Um, but also, I'm actually looking at um, creating a new documentary about another controversial big industry that hopefully in the next five years will kind of change the world. Um, so I'm um, not quite ready to announce, but, but yeah, I'm working on something big. Well, you know, NFTs is one thing as a, as a title, a name, uh, uh, but the concepts around them. You know, I, I teach at the university and I always back up and say, look at the concepts and how many different ways can this concept be applied? And so, yeah, you have music and art and, and uh, playing cards, you know, or whatever those cards were. The crypto but, kitties. Crypto yeah. kitties. But you back up and think of the concept and how many ways can this be applied? It's kind of like David had an example of electricity, you know, like, oh, Electricity is going to change the world. Well, yes, but actually the light bulb 
was what changed the world. Mm. And it's, it's how electricity empowered the light bulb and then the electric engine. And then, so you have NFT concepts, how many ways can that be applied uh, uh, out there? And to me, that, that would be an awesome, awesome documentary. And I can think, David, I can't think of anyone better to make the next real documentary than Torsten. <laughs> Can you? Not at all. I... <laughs> um, thank you, well, thank you so much. And I'd like for everyone listening, I mean, the film is on, crypt, um, it's on cryptopiafilm.com. Obviously, um, we um, are on Amazon Prime and um, we, my, my first film is on, on YouTube. So by now it's kind of uh, freely accessible pretty mm -hmm. much everywhere. And it's on Tubi, um, correct? I saw that um, that was I think, yeah, one of recently. Them is on and I mean, now with many broadcasters and it, it, it's spreading wide. So, yeah, it's pretty, pretty exciting. Well, we really appreciate you coming. And uh, we'll link all of your socials in the description of the video and of the podcast uh, just so people can um, stay abreast of what you're doing and sort of uh, we advocate fully that they check out cryptopiafilm.com. Thank you so much, gentlemen. All the best. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you thank you very much. And that is our broadcast for today. Do you want to say the tagline as I play the outro music? Yes, we have a tagline. Sons of Sequoia says, keep on talking, but listen more than you talk and try to understand what the other person is saying. Thank you all and goodbye. Goodbye. That was fun. Uh, you guys are really good at this. Um, uh, so uh, thanks again for having me and uh, tag me and, and I'll share it in my kind of um, circles. Um, yeah, that was fun. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Dorsey. All the best. Cheers.